We're in a series on marriage here on the Totally Transformed podcast, and the first two parts we covered the reverential fear of God and how important that is to marriage. Then we talked about covenant in marriage and defined that. Um, so if you didn't hear either one of those two episodes, uh, those are parts one and two of this series on the foundational principles of marriage. Today, we're going to talk about complete surrender, surrender first to God. And then I think we'll talk a little bit about surrendering to each other. Um, but welcome to the totally transformed podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we continue this series on marriage. My name is Lance Borden. I'm here with my mom, Christian psychologist and author, Dr. Connie Borden, author of Saved But Not Free. And, you know, we just, we really believe that marriage is so, so important. And I don't think anybody would debate that. Probably some would, but most of you that are listening to us would agree that marriage is so significant and foundational to family, to really the Christian life. It's the model of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. We are his bride. He is our husband. Um, and we get to, we're, we're, we're heading towards the marriage supper of the lamb in eternity when he returns at the end of time. And so Satan hates marriage. He hates that it tells the story of the romantic love of God for us as his bride. And, um, he wants to take it out. He wants to destroy it. He doesn't like any healthy representation of marriage that's out there. And he wants to not only take out your marriage, but he ultimately wants to destroy you and me. And if he can cut our legs out from under us through divorce and through infidelity and issues within our marriages, he has a great opportunity to do that. So we just really feel like this series is really significant for those of you that are listening and we hope you'll recommend it to others that are married and uh, maybe are struggling in their marriage or maybe just need some encouragement in a good marriage. Um, so what would you say, mom, about complete surrender? What would be your thoughts on the importance of that as we dive into that topic here in this series? Well, it just occurred to me that we're covering the foundations of an individual's success who eventually will be married. And then we're covering the foundations in a marriage that will create godly children and help people be whole, W-H-O-L-E. And so it is foundational that we understand the reverential fear of God, which we have covered and we've and you understand covenant as a foundation to a solid marriage okay so now what we're talking about today is um something that concerns me um and that is that oftentimes salvation is presented and somebody prays a salvation prayer but lordship is not presented which is synonymous in my mind to complete surrender. In other words, not only are you just saved and you ask the Lord to forgive you for all your sins and you invited him in your heart, you also invited him to direct your life. Not my will, but thine be done was the example of Jesus even all the way to the cross, um, which is another way to say complete surrender. And if you're not surrendered to his will um, in marriage, then you're not going to understand that when you surrender to your spouse, not in defeat, we're not talking about defeat, like somebody beat you up or an army 
uh, country beats another one in war and they have to surrender. Same, you know, humble spirit, but we're talking about a choice to surrender. You shouldn't have to be beat up to surrender uh, to the Lord or to your spouse. But if you don't come from that foundation or mentality, when you don't want to surrender, you know, supposedly when you get saved, the flesh, you crucified the flesh and um, it died and you got water baptized to exemplify that. When you came out of the water, the old man was uh, dead. The new man was alive. But sometimes the old man can resurrect if you want to choose to do that, unless you have a foundation. And sometimes it, it doesn't happen all the time because we're going through a lifetime process of sanctification. Um, but eventually we should come around to surrender to the mm-hmm. Lord and to each other. Right? Well, well, what's the opposite of surrender? I think you could say the opposite of surrender is rebellion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I uh, take the civil war, for example, the South, they were called the rebels because they were rebelling against the authority of the union of the United States of America and didn't, and wanted to be their own boss, right. And make their own government, the Confederacy, the Confederate States. So they were rebelling against that former order um, and had to be beaten in war in order to make them surrender. Right. And that is, you know, that's the form of war in general. Um, You know, uh, so there's a kicking against the goads or a saying, I don't want to follow your path or do the things you want me to do. I want to do it my way that we all have down into our hearts. You know, Proverbs says that, um, you know, that rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. And, um, you know, the rod of correction will, uh, drive it from him. And and that's a paraphrase, but we are naturally because of our sin nature born with a rebellious nature that does not want to surrender, that does not want to quote unquote, give in to a higher authority that says that their way is the right way. And I, it's through revelation of the Holy spirit and a recognition, I think through life circumstances, hopefully not the kind that completely, um, cause us to have to learn things the hard way. But sometimes that is what it takes before somebody finally says, I surrender. I'm okay. I'm, I'm done. I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way, God. And, right. and that's the way that the, a lot of people come to the Lord, right? Yeah. They come to the end of their rope. They get to the bottom of the barrel or whatever, uh, a metaphor you want to use there before they say, okay, I, I, I recognize finally now that my way is wrong and I want to give in to the Lord's way. And, um, in marriage, it's not really that different because first we have to individually surrender to God. Um, and if we do that, then we're in line to hear his wisdom and be a good spouse that can surrender to our spouse and submit to them as they submit to us. Cause it's a mutual submission. Well, it's interesting. You say submission because, uh, surrender, surrender may be because you're beat up and you have to submission in my mind involves a conscious choice. You know, I'm not just all beat up. I, we don't beat each other up. Like you gave the analogy with, with war, 
But there should be a conscious choice that when you got saved, like according to James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So to me, the choice to submit would be the opposite of what the devil wants to do, because to do that, you have to resist the devil Mm -hmm. and he will flee. The devil does not want us to lay down our life for the Lord or the Lord's work or the Lord's will or for each other. Now that doesn't mean you lose your identity and you don't have an opinion and you don't have a role and you don't have an order in your home. But when it just comes to self-centered choices that if you forget this little bit about when you got saved, you were supposed to um, look out for other people, namely we're talking about our spouse, other than just yourself and their desires, right? Rather than just what you want all the time. Right. And it's a mutual decision. In other words, we've talked about this a little bit last time. It's... it's um, my way, your way, our way, no way, God's way. I mean, there's compromise in your preferences and stuff like that. But let's just say if it comes to a flat stalemate where, you know, you, neither one of you want to surrender, I think this is where this comes in, in the sense of what God would have you to do or what your heart position is at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we are given... If you're married, you're given a spouse to help you. You guys are supposed to help each other, right? Right. And with two different perspectives and two different upbringings, usually there is wisdom when you put your heads together, right? Right. And one can make the other see an issue from a different perspective and communicate wisdom that maybe I didn't, you know, my wife can communicate wisdom that I didn't see, or I can communicate wisdom that she didn't see. And when we both look at it together, we might make a different decision than we would make on our own. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example of that. So we recently took a trip to Colorado and on the way home, there had been a snowstorm and due to the snowstorm, the highway out of the mountains was, under a restricted, um, under a law called the traction law that would not allow you to go down this highway because it was going to go up and down some steep grades. And, um, you needed the law said to have either snow tires, which are made for snow and, and having getting traction, even when there's snow on the highway, uh, or chains around your tires or some other type of traction device that gives your tire additional traction if it's not a snow tire. Well, I had never heard of it. And frankly, I just wanted to get out of town and get home. And Julie, my wife said, Hey, there's this traction law for the highways that were either direction. There were a couple ways to get out of town, but either way they were under this traction law. And she said, we we can't leave if there's this traction law in place. And I was like, Yes, we can. It's fine. We've never had to deal with, you know, my thinking was we've never dealt with that before. We'll be fine. I learned to drive in the snow in the Northeast. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I, it's so unlikely that there's going to be an issue. That was my initial reaction. But as I thought about it, I thought, okay, this is my wife talking to me. She is bringing wisdom that I didn't know. She's bringing me knowledge that I didn't realize I'm going to submit to her, even though I don't really want to. 
for the sake of safety, for the sake of just not taking a risk that she's not comfortable with. So we went to the local store to see if they had any chains that we could put on our tires. Mind you, this is an extra expense that we would have to make, etc. When we got to the parking lot of the store, I said, hey, let me see the manual for the car because we weren't sure if the car was front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, or all wheel drive for that matter. And my thought was, well, it's going to matter which tires run the car or, or drive the car when you're deciding which ones to put chains on or do you need to put them on all four tires? So I was looking through the manual and we just sat in the parking lot for a while as the snow is coming down, looking at the manual and, and I was looking for an indication of front wheel drive, rear wheel drive. Um, what I came upon, praise God, was a specific note about tire chains. And it said, if your tires are this number, you know, the defining the diameter of the tire and the type of tire, uh, you cannot use tire chains because there's not enough clearance uh, in the rear wheel and you could damage other parts of the car. So I went outside, I wiped off the tire and looked and took a picture of the number, came back in, looked at the manual again, and sure enough, that was our type of tire and we were not able to have tire chains. So my initial reaction to that was, well, well then we're just going to go you know, kind of back to my original thought, but then we prayed about it. And right after we prayed, I thought I had the thought, well, and we had talked about this previously, but it came back to me. Let's go see if there's another form of traction that we can purchase. That's not tire chain. So I went into the store, the guys had never even considered or would not have considered whether the tire could take chains. They would have sold me chains and that could have ruined my car. And I said, well, hey, my, my warranty or my user manual says I can't use chains on this type of tire. That was news to them, even though they had the chains. I said, is there any other type of traction device you have? They didn't. They didn't have the right one. We then went, I, we asked them for another store to go to. We went to that store. Uh, there, I talked to a guy that was a former trucker. And he said, look, I was a former trucker. I would not try to do it with regular tires. It's just not worth the risk. Uh, so there was wisdom in that. There's safety in the multitude of counselors, right? We went to another store, which is next door. And those guys were a little more bullish on trying it out because they were looking at pictures of the highway and they thought it would be fine. But they also didn't have the traction device uh, that we would need. So our, we decided to wait it out and wait until the traction law was lifted for safety, but also if you get stopped or you get stuck and the, they have to come and bail you out, you get a really hefty fine for not obeying the law of having some sort of traction device or snow tires. So praise God, we went and ate lunch and within probably less than an hour, that traction law was lifted because the weather had improved and the sun was coming out, et cetera. And we were able to get on our way. It did cause us to have to take longer to get home because we left later but all in all, I, 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 you know, I feel like I learned or gained confidence in the principle of as spouses, we're supposed to submit to one another, even when we might think another way is better, we should come to the middle and, and really talk it out and decide if one person isn't comfortable with something, you should wait till both of you are on the same page and comfortable with something and not just go off on your own because, you know, where there is unity, the Lord commands the blessing and praise God. We got home safely and had a great trip and made some additional memories we may not have made because we took a longer way or it took longer and we took an extra stop. So, um, but there's also something in not just 
doing what one of the spouses says, but, but you putting both your heads together, right? Because if I had not have done the research, we would not have maybe come to the fact that we couldn't use tire chains, right? So it's not like you just shut off your brain and do whatever your spouse tells you. You listen, you apply that and uh, thank, praise God, I did that. And then I was able to bring something to the table that ultimately helped with the decision that she was glad that I brought to the table for the sake of our car and the sake of our safety. So it was a good high five moment, a good marriage moment of submission and surrender to each other. And really, um, it was, it was a valuable, a valuable set of takeaways. Um, and, and I thought a great result. Could I unpack that just a little bit further? Sure. Because there's some real nuggets in that series of events and decisions that you made. Okay. First of all, um, you considered you as the male, particularly because chauvinism is alive and well. And we know in our society that there's a stigma or stereotype that men know everything, women know nothing. Uh, I'm not saying that's true of your marriage or my marriage or in Christian marriage. But as a man, you have a tendency to go that direction. Right. So first of all, you considered what your wife said. Whether you do it or not, you started to go, we're, you know, you started off and look, we're leaving. I want to leave. That's when I want to leave. Right. I'm doing it. Okay. But, but you backed off on that and you at least considered what your wife said. Right. In therapy that I'm in or just in my own experience, when men bulldoze over women and they don't let them have an opinion or identity, whether you do it that way or not, you're just honoring the fact that she has a head, she has an intelligence, she has an IQ, she's a partner, right. and you're going to consider it. All right. In this case, number two, you did decide to go that way. Now, that several things here brings honor from God because you could have not done that. Okay, because you didn't know how it was going to turn out yet, but you submitted yourself, okay, to your wife and thought, well, if she and I heard this, if she's going to be uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. Yeah. In other words, not necessarily because it's the right thing for getting home, but I just don't want to make my wife uncomfortable on this trip, a nervous wreck or whatever. Uh, Women tend to perceive danger a little bit more emotionally Mm -hmm. than men. Right. So you considered her there again. Okay. Ultimately you did it. Then you prayed. Uh, then you prayed, uh, brought out a multitude of counselors. You had two or three other opinions around you. I didn't tell you about the tow truck or the, the snowplow guy that we talked to as well that played a big role. So there's another counselor that was in there and he said, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do it with regular tires either. Okay, so I think your prayer and your prayer agreement brought many different quality decisions in real time about people that were used to uh, tracking up there. Okay, and so I believe that God, I mean, we could call this the anatomy of conflict or harmony. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would be a good radio show. I might do that tomorrow. You never know. All right, what is the anatomy of conflict or harmony in your marriage? All right. And when you go God's way, like we're talking about first complete surrendered and reverential fear of God, he honors that. Mm -hmm. So not only did you have the solution, save your tires, not make the wrong decision, you made it home safely. And I don't know what part the miraculous had and lifted the highway uh, mandate. But who knows? Yeah. You know, God may have worked on somebody's mind or decision so that you you could, uh, in effect, 
do and leave when you wanted to, when she wanted to. Now we're safe. We right. don't have the tires. We didn't spend the money. And mm-hmm. we created more memories. I right. call that doing exceedingly above what you could ask or think. Yeah, right. And if you could just go back over this show and t- take a deep dive into the anatomy of your marriage and conflicts that you have and what pieces of that are not in the marriage, then I think you're going to get what we're saying today about complete surrender first by the reverential fear of God and doing it God's way. But if you want to apply a scripture to it, let's go to Ephesians 5, starting with verse 21, which summarizes everything you're saying. We're saying submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Mm. Reverential fear first. This is the NIV. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Um, I think if you would have come back and said, no, after praying and thinking about it, I really think we should go ahead. She probably would have submitted, but she would have been nervous. Yeah. Okay. Then giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you pray, have no anxiety about anything, but by everything with prayer and thanksgiving, submit your way uh, by petition, thanksgiving, submit your request unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Uh, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Sometimes, wives, if you can have a husband that will listen to you or pray, or he is acting chauvinistically, quote unquote, and the Lord is working on that stronghold, which we're going to eventually talk about, then you may go ahead and submit. And I believe the Lord will cover you in this, but your husband may learn a lesson such as the tires are ruined because they went ahead with the chains on it. Okay. So, you know, sometimes you have to give it to the Lord because he is, you know, obey your husband's is unto the Lord. It just said right here. Okay. So if your husband is being um, bombastic and chauvinistic and controlling and whatever you want to say there, uncooperative, then take it to the Lord. Yeah. And say, Lord, you take care of him and take care of us. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. In other words, when you um, said to yourself, I'm going to consider what Julie's saying, you acted as Christ does unto the church. Do you get that? Let wives, uh, as let the wives be to their own husbands in every way. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. You loved your wife there like God, Jesus gave up himself for the church. Yeah, right? I would say that, that in that scenario, Jesus, when he's relating to the church, is merciful and gracious and faithful, right? Right. And he's not going to force us to do things as his bride that we're not maybe comfortable doing, although he may beckon us, lead us, guide us to places where we're uncomfortable many times, right? He calls us to places to preach the gospel that are uncomfortable, for example, or to be bold when it's awkward, etc., but he's going to do it in a gentlemanly fashion. You know, it's often said the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force his will. We have to surrender. We have to submit to it. And, um, you know, I guess in a way you could say that 
I was, even though I was resistant at first, um, submitting to what Julie was saying and what she was seeing, um, in, from her perspective and not making her uncomfortable or forcing her to do something she did not want to do or felt strongly about and, you know, until and unless she was in agreement or ready to do that. But what I think husbands don't get is this concept that I'm getting here or that I've gotten before or I'm trying to convey is that when you do that, you're acting just like Christ and you're sanctifying and cleansing your wife with the washing of the word or acting on the word like Christ did for the church. Because whenever a man submits to a woman because he loves her and he wants the best for her, she will be able to surrender and submit mm-hmm. it, the onus. I'm sorry to say, and I'm not just saying this cause I'm a woman mm-hmm. is on the man because mm-hmm. women are responders mm-hmm. and it, and it says he did that, that he might present it to himself, the church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, love him, loveth himself. This is obviously, I thought it was the NIV, but it's King James. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, even as the Lord, the church. So if that's what you're operating on, you are sanctifying your wife, you are cleansing her, you have the same mentality that we have toward Christ. While we are yet sinners, he died for us. And when you get that concept, what do you do? You want to surrender, submit, be saved, and be thankful. But so often, the dynamic of that really great story you just told doesn't follow those principles for the right reasons, which goes back to a reverential fear of God and a covenant in this marriage to act according to these scriptures, which you have instilled in your heart because you did it. You did it in that scenario. And I just want to emphasize and underline many times the way it turned out for everybody and everything safe fun uh everybody's happy nobody's upset kids are having a good time you maybe got home a little bit later than you wanted to but nonetheless no harm no foul yeah well i'll tell you what's what's occurring to me more than ever is the role of the supernatural of god's guidance in the situation yeah two things one, I was looking in the manual for an indication of whether it was front wheel or rear wheel drive. I was not necessarily looking to see if the tires could even take chains to begin with. Yeah. So I believe the Lord guided me to that little paragraph in this one inch thick manual that talked about tire chains so that I could that see. That nobody else knew that about. That nobody else would have ever known. <laughs> that is in the profession. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, and Sad there's a lot say. of makes and models out there, but... Uh, that was, I believe the guidance of the Lord. Yes. Secondly, after we prayed, I was about to go forward without it. Right. Right. And I had the thought, let's remember there's another form of traction that you might be able to get. Why don't you go check it out? That's when I went into the store. I, I left this part out. When I went into the store, I was talking to the employees at the store. There was a customer that overheard our conversation. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, he was basically saying, basically offering his opinion. Um, and I forget exactly what he said inside the store, but he was offering some helpful guidance. 
Then when I went back out to the car, having not purchased anything because they didn't have the alternative device and the chains that they did have, uh, again, the manual prohibited. When I got outside, that guy was the snowplow driver I referred to was standing outside of his truck. And, um, I engaged him a little bit more in conversation. Well, he said, he said, Hey, he's like, uh, I've been doing snowplow up here. I've got 30 guys. We do snow removal, I guess. Uh, all done word of mouth business for, for the last, I've been here 27 years, been doing this business for 25 years. You know, he said, I wouldn't do it with regular tires. He said, if you can't find a way out, he said, I can, I've got a trailer on a truck with snow tires and I could basically take you guys up. He said, how many people do you have? (laughs) And when I said six, he's like, well, we might not be able to fit six, but you know, he was still thinking on how that might work out. He didn't have a business card. So he wrote down his number on a little piece of cardboard and handed it to me. And it said Lance and a phone number. (laughs) And I said, I said, I, my first thought was, does he, does he know my name? Like, why, why did he write And, And I said, wait, what's, I said, what's your name? And he said, Lance. And I said, no way, that's my name. <laughs> and it was just another nod from the Lord, another guidance, another supernatural interjection from God to provide that extra counsel to say, hey, it's not worth the risk from somebody who obviously knew. Could have been an angel. I don't know. It seemed like Could've a plausible been. story that he had a snowplow business, but you know, God can set up any scenario he wants. Well, at to. least it was a confirmation. Absolutely, of the mutual names. And yes. that came after we prayed. Yeah. And so, both of those. Let's see. Did both of those things come after we prayed? Especially well, that conversation did. Um, came after we prayed. Um, I'd already seen the manual, but anyway, the Lord was directing our steps. He was. Um, helping us. And when we submit to God first and then submit to each other, then we are in position for the Lord to lead us. And, you know, Proverbs says man makes plans, but God directs his steps. And we can take confidence in that, that if our plans go differently than what we thought they were going to go, if we're in God's will and we're seeking him, he's going to make sure it turns out better than we could have intended. Well, that's Proverbs 16. The last verse says, um, we throw our dice in the lot and even the things that may seem accidental are, are ordained by the Lord. Right. When your ways please the Lord. So God blesses obedience. He can't bless disobedience. Now, he's very merciful. His mercies are new every morning. We're in the process of sanctification. But when you willfully um, go against other people or go against, most importantly, the the surrender to the Lord, the will of God, or you're acting in self-centered or selfish ways, uh, the opposite way to the fruit of the Spirit, um, basically, you're going around the mountain another time with the children of Israel to try to shake whatever's shakeable. And this is really applicable to marriage because you have two people, two different backgrounds, two different uh, genders, as we talked about, two different everything when you come together and you're trying to come to a harmonious whole and a harmonious one, and that is a process. And anyone we're talking to at whatever stage you're at, it's normal. But 
if you follow the verses that we're talking about today and you follow God's principles of surrender and reverential fear of God as this story exemplified, God has nothing to do but bless you because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to fight against you yeah, right. and the flesh. And so um, it's a lifetime process of becoming more Christ-like. I always like to say I'm more like him today than yesterday, not as much as tomorrow, not look at your whole life spiel and where you'll end up at the end or where you began. But are you making choices today that line up with uh, reverential fear of God and surrender that will then affect your marriage? Because we're going to look at a much deeper dive going into spouses that come into the marriage wounded, where it takes even more of a laying down your life and they are not able to respond or they respond not to you, but somebody from their past that has insulted or wounded or rejected them. If you can't even live, if that's not the case, and I'm not sure that it's never not the case to some degree, then you're going to have a really hard time when you have somebody that is uh, wounded because of past relationships and they're taking it out basically on you, which is what my book Save But Not Free is basically about in my own experience and my parents' experience. Yeah, that'll be a very meaty show, a very meaty episode. Uh, and we'll get into that next time. It may end up being more than one episode. Oh, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. As, as part four, um, you just mentioned God doesn't have to be against you when you submit to him which is essentially James 4, 6, that says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yeah, and I just read 4, 7. So oh, that you was, did? Yeah, okay. I, no, I read 7. So oh. it's good you brought in 6. Read 7 again. Yeah, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's that pride thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Pride is like, like, I mean, that's why Satan was expulsed from heaven. Yeah, it was the original sin. Yeah. Yep. It's very damaging and destructive for and sure. And it's very difficult. We all have to yep. deal with we it. We all have to deal with it. We all have to deal with it. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, let's pray. Agree with us today if you're listening and really ask the Lord to show you the parts of your heart that might need to surrender to him, um, the parts uh, of your marriage relationship that might require submission and surrender to your spouse. You can even pray with us right now that your spouse would submit to you in the parts of your marriage where maybe they're prideful or or don't see something that you see. Um, Because again, to your earlier point, mom, uh, if we see, if we feel like we see something clearly and according to God's word that our spouse doesn't see, They may not listen to us, but we can take it to God and God can change their heart. Yeah, that's where that scripture uh, in Ephesians, obey your husband is unto the Lord. Remember, your higher authority is the Lord. So if one of you are wrong, i.e. in your example, the husband, take it up with the Lord. Because if your husband is a Christian, he's submitted to the Holy Spirit and he wants to do hopefully what the Lord wants him to do, or the Lord can work with him or her. I'm not not picking on men, but I just want to say one other thing about blessing before you pray. Psalm 133 says, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Right. So there's all great results to work on unification, especially in your marriage. That's where it begins. Unity with the Lord, one with the Lord, one with each other. Then it uh, is a 
rock in the water. What's that called? What kind of effect? Uh, ripple, ripple effect. effect. Yeah. To, to your children and to the next generations, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lord, we come to you today, Lord, and we ask you to move in the hearts of our listeners, of everyone that's agreeing with this prayer today, Lord, to change the parts of their heart that need to be surrendered to you, to show them, to shine a light on those areas in their heart that maybe are rebellious or maybe out of alignment with you. And Lord, I know that you, you just love it when we come to, when we come to you in humility and, and say, search me and know me and see if there be any wicked way within me, Lord. Um, you love that because it allows you the ability to come in and make a change that is for our good and for the good, good of the kingdom of God. And, um, so we just ask that you would move now that you would highlight even now as we're praying the parts of our hearts that need to surrender to you. We submit those places to you and ask you to do a new work or to continue a work. Lord, maybe it's an area that we know we struggle with. Lord, do a, do a, do a, take us to another level, Lord, uh, do a completed work in that area of our lives. Help us to be overcomers in that area that, that you're identifying to us. Thank you. And Lord, we lift up our, our spouses as yes, well. Lord. Lord, if there's areas that, that, that we're thinking about right now that our spouses uh, need to hear from you, we ask you to do a supernatural changing of their heart and mind to align with you, not to, not, not because not to come to our side, but to come to your side, which is the best side and bring us into alignment with you, God, um, as, as married couples so that we can be the dynamos that you created us to be the impactful, unions that you created us to be, to take the world by storm, to storm the gates of hell and to pull people back from hell as a result of the ministry of our marriages. Lord, we just ask for your supernatural work in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. 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 Well, like we said, next time we'll start into the strategies of Satan and wounding and strongholds in marriage. Uh, so you won't want to miss that. So come back next time when we do. But thank you for joining us today on the Totally Transformed podcast. We'll talk to you soon.